Nope, 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 nope. Okay, what happened? (laughs) You didn't give us the thumbs. There were no thumbs. It is 621. Console Crusade Podcast! We got a hard out of it, so we're diving right into this bitch. Okay, this is Woo! Q4 League Recap. EJ Olsen with Nick Durheim. Hi, it's me. Chris Gilly for her! Ah, I never know what to say. Brendan Allen, you're back again two weeks in a row. Uh, League Recap. This is it. This is it's It's been decided. It's over. Jigstradamus was right. Nick fucking fucked me. He bent me over and stuffed me like a duck. 50% of the time, you're right every time. Hey, more like 73-ish percent of the time, according to my spreadsheet. That is a soft C, sir. Middling, one might say, right, Chris? That wasn't an 83. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, 83 is middling. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Don't think I haven't forgot we have some bets to settle, Mr. Olson, in our recap. I, I owe you some money. All right, next week, next week, you're here in town, and we're all together. Yeah, boy! And having a grand old time. I went out and bought Dune today so we can watch that for breakfast on the 27th. You will be spared, Nick, from having to uh, watch this as part of our dude time. But I'm getting there hella early because Tiff's got to drop me and then jet back uh, and post up and work. Uh, How early is hella early? You tell me, big guy. Oh, gee. What are you guys going to be driving at 5 a.m. from Roseburg? No, 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 no. We'll be coming from, we'll be from Corvallis, so it'll probably be like 7, 7.30, oh, probably, almighty. preferably, preferably 7, because she's supposed to start work at, at 7, but doesn't realistically start work until 9 o'clock, which, you know, work from home life, am I right? Maybe I'll just come pick you up when I when I wake up. Anyway, let's do this, because we are on, we have an hour and a half to, to get through all of this. I don't know, Nick, you have spreadsheets and spreadsheets and spreadsheets, so I don't know if you want to kind of just guide us through some of the happenings, and then we can just start getting tangential and talk about uh, the things we were right about, things we were wrong about, things we were mad about. I mean, a lot of it has been documented, our collusion, a lot of the big you know, upsets of the year we've talked about, but why don't you run us through King Durheim for the second year in a row, you wear that crown, the scores for 2023. Final score is me winning with 238.61 points. Do it! EJ coming in second with 220.10 points. Then Chris with 180.78 points. And then Brendan with 164.52 points. Wow. Let, let me just say, these are historic <laughs> scores. Historic scores from our top two point getters. And that my 180 points would almost have been good enough to have won the league in well, not last year because Nick ran train on us, but certainly in the first iteration of this would have been enough to give me a puncher's chance. Um, crazy, crazy year for gaming. Absolutely insane year for gaming that we could have these kind of scores at, at the top of the league. Very good point averages the entire round. Like I want to say out of all of us, the average score for a game in our league was 81 points. Wow. One for the, the Metacritic score, open critic score. Very high bar to succeed in this year's iteration. First and second, separated by a single game. Third and fourth place, separated by a single game. 19 points would be a very successful single game. Yeah, 19. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a very good game. Yeah, Alan Wake 2. The counterpick. <laughs> we are literally separated. 
we joked about this, but had Alan Wake played out differently, Nick and I could potentially be tied right now, coming literally down to the point four points that Storyteller is taking from me. Can you imagine if it really came down to that? The comedy. If you had counter, if you'd have dropped it and counterpicked Minico's Night Market, which I think was the only game that was left for you to counterpick at that moment in time, you might have won, dude, because that would be like a plus two in your ledger on top of having the minus 19 from counterpicking Alan Wake 2 off the board. Yeah, and if I had gone with wonder and not colluded with everybody, you know, uh, yeah, there are a lot of what ifs looking back that it could have played out differently, but. You know, we make the decisions we make in the moment with the information we have, and you hope for the best. I would have to double check because you you dropped your zero, your not release. If Correct. you had gotten the, if you had counterpicked, if you had if you had super dropped Alan Wake and counterpicked Minico instead, you would have handily won by like three points. That is heartbreaking. Mineko is a game I wouldn't have counterpicked. Yeah, it didn't seem like a '60s game. It seemed like a low '70s to me. For sure, for sure. Had some uh, performance problems, and it still hasn't received a patch yet. It's always tough with those kind of. Uh, cutesy indie games. I thought Cosmic Wheel was going to be a fucking dud too. We uh, we tried to bait Chris into getting that game. Do not bet against visual novels. Apparently, man. you should know better by now. Well, meanwhile, <laughs> there are 13 people who review those games, and they always get good scores. I mean, Season Later of the Future got a 70. It's not a you know Master Detectives Rainco got a 77. I mean, it's just it's a crapshoot. RPG. Yeah, with the Japanese with with Raincoat is more of like a follow up to Danganronpa and it didn't really quite reach those that threw in more RPG on. I mean, that's why I picked it. I thought it was going to be like an 85 guarantee, but it fucked me. I just, I just don't. It's just middling, <laughs> truly middling, <laughs> truly middling. Okay. Those are the standings. Brendan, I'll start with you. I want to go round table and talk about one thing that we loved about this year. One of your decisions, something on your board, something surprising, your, maybe your favorite thing that happened, and then one thing that you're going to learn from this year going into next year. What was your big, what was your big dud? What was your big mistake? And some of us have multiple, so it's pick one thing, and let's look to the future. Uh, mine was just starting out feeling frantic, like I had to get so many picks on the board, like in the beginning of the year, thinking yeah. that like things weren't going to get announced or whatnot, and that's why I took <laughs> Destiny. It, it was like, uh, oh, I need to pick something right now. It's like the first couple weeks, I need to get something in. And I just wasn't patient. You see uh, Chris and I fighting in the bids, and you think, it's all over for me. It's February, and I haven't got on the board yet. We got to do this. We have to pick up, how, we do 10 games this year we picked up, plus three counter picks. It was like, yeah, things got to move. So I get it. Uh, my favorite was probably Tara Nil doing well <laughs> <laughs> just as a fuck you Damn, best, in the mobile, best game? mobile game of the best year mobile game nominated for games for impact at the game awards should have won should have won wow I try to get in your head about it you know I want you to second guess all your oh decisions. you do make me do I'm that trying to ruin absolutely you. <laughs> absolutely uh, Tara Nil one dollar you turn one dollar uh, I turned one dollar into 16 points with cosmic wheel as well damn son if only you hadn't turned $10 <laughs> into one point or $10 into minus two points, you might have had a chance in this league. It's just taking notes, buddy. What did Giannis say? My game ball. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I bet last year. He says, Eric, Eric, you come to your job every day. You fail. Is it a waste? Is it a waste of time? No, we're building towards something here, Bren. Even though Nick is currently in the midst of a fucking dynasty, 
doesn't mean that things are hopeless for the rest of us, okay? Man's won two championships this year, but we'll talk about the Whammy <laughs> League later. <laughs> Nick, what about you? Some of the standout things for me were, I would say, my shotgun blast uh, mid-year. That was a lot of fun, just sort of seeing the chaos unfold and knowing that behind the scenes, y'all were going to be trying to get up to shenanigans, and shenanigans were, were had. So I loved that. And I ended up coming out not you know, hundred percent. I didn't get the, like all three or all five of the best games that I wanted from that, that blast, but I did get some of the heavy hitters in there. So I'm happy about what I got from it. That was Mario and Mortal Kombat and games that ended up doing really well. I was happy with the, the choices I made in that, in that run. And then something memorable for me also is just the nightmare that was Counter-Strike 2 and Bren sneaking it and me trying to scare him out into dropping it and him dropping it later and me picking it back up and it not getting scores until like literally a couple weeks ago. And it's all for what? Seven points. Like it, all it did was really just sub, like cement my victory a little bit more. But that was that was crazy. Like it could have it could have gone lower. It could have gone, but it wouldn't have been like a deciding factor. It was just funny that it took so long for a, a third review to finally hit the site. Yeah, I'm sure you frantically emailing people trying to get their scores submitted to open critic had nothing to do with it. None of them that I that I emailed actually got their scores submitted. So what I did didn't matter at all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean if there's if there's reviews on a website and it's supposed to be collated by by open critic, then yes, I want those scores to be reflected. And it matters for a game that's only got two scored reviews. Like I'm not hitting up other websites saying, "Hey, please review this game and give it a 10." Like that's that's not what I'm doing. It's just sort of like, <laughs> "Hey, you have a review on this on this game and you have to submit it for it to be collated by open critic for some review outlets apparently i don't know i got so much shit for the idea of emailing people saying i would like to see this game reviewed <laughs> it's funny <laughs> tweeting angrily at a developer and having them tweet back at you which was just so it wasn't it a developer that was a reviewer a reviewer, <laughs> a reviewer. okay <laughs> whatever and we had a great back and forth about it. It was funny. It was funny, Chris. No, that's my highlight. That, <laughs> that is legitimately one of my highlights is you posting the back and forth of uh, that reviewer and basically being like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? I've never heard about this, but I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> that was amazing. I can't remember what they said exactly, but it, it was along those lines. I'm sure I could find it while Chris talks about... Uh, Next year and what, what, what he's learned from what has been the busiest year in Contra Crusade fantasy critic history, without a doubt. First of all, my cat has a bow tie. Admire her. <laughs> Second of all, um, yeah, I mean, I, the, the, the uh, tweet exchange, do we still call them tweets? I don't know what to call them. Elon's Hell yeah, the we Elon do. exchange. Tweets. Um, I'm calling them Elons until further notice. Uh, the Elon exchange between you and, uh, <laughs> that reviewer was fucking great, man. Um, I enjoyed thoroughly the shotgun shenanigans. Um, that was one of my favorite weeks of this league of all of us calling, texting, having our own agendas, but trying to work a, a collective agenda at the same time. And I still, and I've said this on this podcast and EJ, I know that you bless you for not coming out swinging with the like crisscross me the league take. Cause obviously that's not accurate, but I genuinely, genuinely on, on God thought that you were better off having Mario RPG 
than Mario Wonder. And as soon as you said you had submitted a bid for it, I backed off and was like, great, you can have it. I, I don't care. I thought I was, I honest to God thought I was doing you a favor. That is how Mario RPG pilled I am. And we obviously unpacked <laughs> this at length on the podcast that I am an unreliable narrator in that instance. But I loved that week because it just to me encapsulated all of the fun of what this can be of everybody just trying everything they possibly can and you trying to use Bren as your <laughs> sometimes unwitting <laughs> accomplice to try to fuck everyone else. Um, I love it. I love all of it. Like, this is what makes me want to do this year in and year out. We actually are. I'm working my way through the back catalog of episodes that we cut and we were just listening to parts of the first fantasy critic draft and how completely fucking stupid all of us were in the way that we talked about like games and the economy and the way that this was going to work. Um, and just to be here now after three years, I'm like, man, this is really cool. This is becoming the thing that Nick, I think that you always imagined that it could be. Uh, and I love that. Um, so that was a major highlight. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway for next year is, I, uh, Bren, like you said, with patience, I was way too impatient. I had a sense that I needed to pick things up as fast as I possibly could because I didn't trust that the late year releases would be worthwhile. And I'm tempted to feel the same way about next year, too, because I think that there is going to be no, as Nick put it, uh, 2023 Pete uh, with regards to the breadth and depth of game releases that we're going to see next year. But I think that Nick showed us pretty clearly that patience is a virtue for a reason and that there are going to be Q late Q3 and Q4 releases that could have a meaningful impact on the league standings. So I'm going to be a little more frugal. I think the economy this year was kind of out of control, uh, largely uh, of my own making. And then EJ's making when I got him panicked that he was going to lose like an eighth bid or in a row or whatever it, it got up to in those early parts of the year. Um, and that my, my thought that if I could average 10 points a game, I could win the league. I still, I still feel like there's some merit to that in a, in a non bumper crop year that if I can average, if I could make 200 points, I could be competitive for a league title this year. That was not true, but I feel like next year it probably could be true. Um, so how I allocate money based on that and bidding and there's, there's going to be no $12 bids for games that I don't think are going to give me like 85 to 90 points next year. That's for fucking sure. That's me. I had a great year. This is a blast to follow up on your point, Chris, uh, your average pickup and draft score for your games, 10 point, 11 points. You nailed it. You got your 10 points a game. Son. <laughs> And yet the unannounced slot, of course, and we've talked so much about the unannounced slot opining Nick grabbing the Metroid primary master and what that did for his league hopes and what that would have done if that had gone a different way. Like literally that was my next pick. If Nick had not picked it up, was going to be the unannounced Metro primary master. Like what a difference that would have made in this league. I would have won. You would have taken second place and it would have been Brennan and Nick fucking crossing swords trying to, take fourth okay it would have completely changed it you break down what that looks like over the course of the year when that game releases and like the subsequent dominoes it would have been a competitive league from one to four literally until the end of the year uh which is what we all hope for um 
And this year, at least we had at least we had a one and two battle and a three and four battle, unlike last year where Nick was just absolutely skull fucking us and me and EJ were left scrumming for crap uh, scraps. That at least was great that me and Brennan could be like, ah, you know, and then Bren picks up. I can't I can't Bren. Listen, listen, I cannot listen, believe that you're listen. I can't believe that. No, no, no. You listen. You listen, Brennan Allen. I wanted to put Ace Attorney on our fucking <laughs> Nick, your wheeze laugh. I fucking can't. <laughs> Nick, your wheeze laugh is like maybe my favorite part of the console crusade deep lore that every fucking time that happens when we're driving in the car and listening back, I just fucking cackle and Tiffany cackles. We love it. Um, I can't believe your one thing, Bryn, is not picking, <laughs> picking unannounced ace attorney game as your Hail Mary dog. What the fuck were you thinking? They just released the Apollo Justice trilogy. You think they're sitting on a new fucking Ace Attorney game? Like, whatever crystal ball you were looking into is is made of quartz, my friend. It is no crystal. I'm going to make you feel bad because I had literally just gotten broken up with. Oh, he went there! That week. He went there! <laughs> and EJ's like, you need to do something. You need to do something. I was like, I don't fucking have the energy to like look and see like what I could possibly try to do. I was like, text Nick, text Nick and get, get these games approved so you can bid on Zelda. You can bid on Metroid. You can bid, you got to get it approved by Nick. He said, fuck that. Well, I, now I do feel <laughs> a little bad and fuck you for making me feel bad. How dare she hurt our Brenda? Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yes, it was a stupid pick, but also I was hoping that Grand Theft Auto 5 was going to get a 2024 release date. And I absolutely did not want to miss out on the first pick for that. So I was just like, meh. That's totally fair. Are you going to now, how did Nick put it, windmill dunk Final Fantasy VII with your number one pick? Maybe that's a conversation for later, but that listen, is a listen, conversation, conversation for, later. for later. Perfect unison. I love that. Nick, before I talk about my year, can you give us the averages uh, for the the, uh, the rest of us here? For total averages or draft and pickup? Because I have all that separated. Uh, draft and pickup. Okay, so for... Average on draft, EJ, you had the most, 14.45. Brennan, actually, second with 13.38. Uh, me with 12.56, and Chris with 12.49. Um, for pickups, I had a 13.65 average. EJ, you had a 10. Uh, Chris had 8.37, and then Brennan had mm. 6.84. Yeah. yeah, so it got a little bit soft in the pickups for a lot of us. And for me, I was really... Uh, my early year pickups were pretty trash and the average only really picked up after I got that shotgun blast and getting like shadow gambit and Mario wonder that really brought things up for me and dropping Blanc. Yeah. Uh, windmill dropping Blanc. Yeah, absolutely. The thing about the late year pickups and Chris, I don't totally begrudge your philosophy of get while the getting's good and things are best in the first two quarters of the year, but even this week, we had two nines get added to the Open Critic Hall of Fame that would have been eligible for us to pick up. This week, it's absolutely insane. And Nick and I were talking earlier, like we, without a doubt, acknowledge that there is going to be a massive rebound next year and maybe even the year after, after sort of the post-COVID explosion we had, you know, this being the best year for games in, in six years and maybe... 16 years so we know that's coming so it'll sort of change things next year obviously the economy the ever shifting 
you know, this week we're bidding $6 on something, so next week we're bidding 9 and someone else bids 12 and we're way overpaying for these games, and Nick just played it cool as a cucumber. I'm not going to bid more than I think a game is worth based on the number of points I think it's actually going to give me. You know, two-time champ, back-to-back, double whammy this year. Like, the man's got it. And, of course, Nick has, I think, quite enjoyed me frantically it's always Sunny memeing, being like, no, he's coming! He's coming for us! Look at look at the numbers! It's happening! He is the one who knocks! And everyone just being like, well, it's a long year, and I'm like, no, 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 no. The league is going to come down to Metroid Prime, and I feel justified in that take that I have had for fucking 10 months now. I think for me, I have a lot of regrets. I have a lot of regrets. There was maybe a little bit of a low mid-year where I got really caught up in thinking, kind of similar to you, Chris, where I was like, I need to hit a flyer or two out of the park. If I really want to make a jump, I have to pick up a Chia or an after image, something that I think looks like it has potential, but isn't a surefire thing. And I have to just nail one or two of these the way that maybe Nick did with the Talos principle or even a viewfinder at 13. Like if I could turn storyteller into a 13 point game, if I can turn even like harmony, which came in five points higher for a week at one point. Just a couple of these games that I thought, this could be the indie darling. This could be the the zinger that puts me over the edge. I just don't think that's a strategy. Like, yeah, you can get lucky, but as I have proven, these games that I thought had the potential, I'm like, hey, it could be a 75, but it could be an 85. That's just too much. Yeah, games like that that are like 75 on a bad day, 85 on a good day, it's it's so tough to know where they're going to end up landing. You know, you know, I kind of figured out the economy through the year, you know, kind of got over the hump with the Xenoblade Chronicles DLC, had a nice little swing and a hit with humanity, but yeah, I mean, it really came down to things like Fire Emblem scoring way lower than I feel like it should have. And historically, you know, being the lowest rated Fire Emblem game in how long? You know, Forza, which is typically... I mean, Forza won me the league two years ago. You know what I mean? Coming with a banger 92 or 93 or whatever. Soft, soft review year for Forza. You know, just things that you, you can't... You know, Company of Heroes. You can look back in hindsight and see all the mistakes. But I think the biggest, the biggest things, obviously, the elephant in the room being Alan Wake. And I still stand by the decision... You know, it's funny because when when Chris drafted Redfall or when Redfall scored and I was like, well, you should just wait and see how everything plays out. You might end up wanting to save that super draft or something. And, and Chris says, dropping a counter pick is smooth brain energy. And then as the year goes on, I still have that counter pick. And I'm thinking, I mean, no one thought Alan Wake was going to be an 89. Come on. And as I was breaking down the numbers with Nick before, again, it's about the delta between what Alan Wake loses me and what you know, the potential of that slot dropping to zero, right? That really changes the arithmetic, you know? And like, of course, no one expected, you know, endless dungeon. I, I didn't expect to get a 79. I expected that to do four or five points better. Uh, and I expected Alan Wake to do seven points worse. So in which case, nobody's batting an eye about my decision, right? Maybe this was just recency bias. I got freaked out by Mineko's Night Market because Brennan also had Cosmic Wheel, which I did not have at 86 on my board. That's for damn sure. And so, you know, I had Mineko higher. So say I drop Alan Wake and I kind of pick Mineko. And the other part of this is that the only person who had games to bid on in empty slots was Nick. You think I'm going to counterpick one of Nick's games? Oh, yeah, let me replace Alan Wake with the fucking Talos principle. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. 
I was stuck, and you can say that was of my own making, but of course, I counterpicked this game when I thought it, there was no chance it was coming out, and if it did come out, is it really going to do seven points better than their best game they've ever made? I don't... I, come on! Nobody thought that. It's fair. I want to offer something. I have uh, been tinkering with the phrasing of this, but I think that one of the major considerations looking at the full list of games for everybody is what I call the boner to banger ratio. A boner is a 76 and below and a banger is an 88 and above. And if we look at the boner to banger ratio for everybody in the league this year, there is a clear winner and surprise, surprise, that is Nick. Uh, EJ scrolling through, you've got Zelda, you've got C, oh God, cat, stop. Oh, she's so affectionate. Uh, you've got Zelda, you've got uh, Sea of Stars, you have got Xenoblade, you've got three bangers, but you've also got two boners in Storyteller and After Image. For a net one flaccid little dangler. Yeah, three to two is not bad. Three to two is not bad. Looking at my own boner to uh, banger to boner ratio, it is not good. It is not good. I've got Resident Evil. I've got Pikmin. That is what I have. And then I've got such things as Disney Illusion Island, System Shock, which <sighs> System Shock, the great what if uh, two to two, even money. Not great. Nick's is five to five to zero. His banger to boner ratio. He's got Street Fighter. He's got Metroid Prime. He's got Mario Wonder. He's got Talos Principle four. Is it just four? He's got no boners. He's got nothing that is a 76 and under. And Bren, you have one of the better banger to boner ratios of anybody, but it's your, it's your unreleased games that absolutely killed you. And your boners were big boners. Uh, your bangers, you've got Spider-Man, you've got Final Fantasy 16, you have Dead Space, Alan Wake, and Cyberpunk. You have five bangers, but you've got Atomic Heart, you've got Destiny, You've got Assassin's Creed that are boners and a five to three banger to boner ratio is not going to do it. It's not going to do it. Not with those, not with the degree of flaccidity that were coming from your, from your uh, uh, boner picks. Let us not forget the Red Falls and the Benedict Foxes of the world. The Blancs, if you will. Yeah, EJ, you counterpicked great three out of your four counterpicks. (laughs) I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this actually, because I was looking back at the overall like point losses from everybody, like their overall counterpick totals. It is fairly, not not that big of a spread. It is fairly equitable. Bren with a minus 18, I think is, is, I think is the worst. Um, Yes. You know, Nick with a minus three is a, is clearly, is clearly the best. No, minus 12, minus 12. Oh, I was looking at EA sports. I thought that was part of the one. Yeah. Minus 12. Uh, I'm setting at minus 11, which is only a little bit below that. And then EJ, you're at minus uh, 10. Yeah, obviously not, not in a great, a great place with your, with your negative points, but, but it's really, it's all very comparable. Like it was a pretty solid spread. And I think that speaks to the overall quality of games that we were doing this year. Like there are just better games out this year across the board. We were going to have to take some lumps. If you had been just, Anything but Alan Wake, you would have far and away, you would have run away with the the most wise counter. Not anything. And the best counter picks. Yeah, anything. literally anything. I would have had to probably gain points on on something uh, because Nick and I would have been separated by fractions of a point. So I, you know, I would have had to really knock out a counter pick. And again, Maneko obviously being the only option, 
and and feeling like that was too big of a risk to waste a counter pick. You know, again, you know, if if Anlis Dungeon ends up getting an eighty nine, again, we're not you know, and and, and Alan Wiggins an eighty five, we're not talking about it to the same degree. So it's just, you know, it is what it is. It happened, and there's not really a lesson to learn from it. It's just. Those were the breaks. It's bad you know, luck. That was the hand I was. Dealt. I guess the lesson is be careful what you counterpick at the beginning of the year. Like mm. if they say it's going to come out at a certain time, and you're kind of hoping that it gets delayed, it's it's tough to count on a delay. You for know, a game that could be really good. That's a good yeah. framing. Yeah, let's talk about these counterpicks really quick. Then we we've beaten Alan Wake into the ground. I want to get into the sort of strategy for the counterpicks because obviously we've talked about you know draft versus pickups and how the economy played out this year. But I'm curious about these these counter picks. You know, Nick and I were talking before we were recording. We were just sort of going back and forth about what a 2024 might look like and what we what we might want to pitch to change and what we might want to keep from this year. And we were debating the number of counter picks for next year. And this is, of course, dependent on whether we add another person to the league, et cetera. But my sort of thought is that you know, if we're counter picking a quarter of the, of the league's pickups, there's bound to just be some bangers in there. Like there's no way around it unless we have a historically awful year. So at some point, it's not about I'm using my big old brain or looking at my crystal ball and I'm picking the worst games. It's really going out on a limb and saying, oh, well, I hope this one is only a 79 and not an 84, you know, and, and it becomes yeah, you're very tentative, you know, it gets kind of scary. So so let's 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 break down some of these other ones we haven't talked about very much. Bayonetta. Uh, that was basically you talking in my ear. Yeah. My fault. 100%. 100%. <laughs> was gonna say... Yeah, yeah, that was that was all conjecture from you, and I was like, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. This game is going to be trash. It looks bad. I mean, it does look bad. It's, it, it, it does. It's not a game bad. I ever want to play. Um, but people apparently liked it. I had a seventy-six on the prediction, and if you got if you had gotten six point negative six on that, that that's a big that's a big dub. That's kind of what you hope for in counterpick territory, given the quality of games and the quality of competition, gentlemen. You picked up Hollow Knight pretty late. That was after the tweet went out that it wasn't, you know, because it was supposed to be out before June, you know, given given the, you know, the showcase last year. And that was like, that was just something I was like, eh, I don't know. Um, and I wanted to get it in before Nick thought it wasn't going to come out and dropping it. Nick probably still could have done that. But you know what? Like he said, he liked the stock, goddammit, and he was sticking with it. Um, so that one was definitely a flyer of, because it, it absolutely could have come out, you know, this month or last month and destroyed destroyed me. Realistically, probably wouldn't have lost you as many points as Alan Wake lost me. Let's be honest. I don't, I don't know. The first one was a 90 on Open Critic. That's just, it's just bad luck. You thought it wasn't going to come out. That's 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 the long and short of that pick. And that's okay. That was smart because this game had been in development hell and canceled and brought back after control. Like, it's okay. It was a good counter pick at the time. Chris, what's your philosophy here? Tekken 8 and the Plucky Squire was like, I don't see these as being games that release. Tekken made me sweat for a minute uh, around the middle of the year when we got some additional information about the game. But I was like, these are probably not going to come out. Um replaced was one that there had just been no news about this game. I felt like this is probably again, a game that's not going to come out. Planet of Lana was a, one of these indies that EJ picked up is not going to hit. I looked into all of them 
basically, and felt like that was the safest bet. It did not end up being. Uh, I think I I think I picked up this counter pick after after image had already come out. I don't know that that is accurate. It feels accurate to me. Planet of Alana came out in May after image in April. Yeah, I feel like that's I feel like that's probably accurate. But I just I looked at it and I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't see it. Just just kind of got looking at the trailer and the little bit of gameplay they showed. It's like, yeah, I don't know. First time developer. It's that is that is the that is the roller coaster of indie titles on Fantasy Critic, my friends, is this could be a 75 or it could be an 81 or it could be a goddamn 88 or 86 or whatever the fuck cocoon scored. It is hard to say. I don't know that I'll be counterpicking a lot of indies next year. I really don't. Unless I see some concrete stuff that I'm like, this game is going to fucking suck. It's just not a safe pick. It's not a safe pick for me. I'm way more interested in what I think is not going to come out. I think that's a much much safer pick. I mean, it definitely is the safer way to evaluate these games. I think it can be dangerous. I mean, again, you're counterpicking a quarter of the games picked up. Well, they can't all be delayed and they can't all be bad. So I don't know where that balance is. Obviously with Alan Wake, I tried to pick something I didn't think was coming out, but the rest of my games, I was strictly peering into the crystal ball and hoping Jigstradamus had something for me and was strictly counterpicking games that I thought looked bad. And I think that strategy for me, I look at that. I'm like, I what? What am I a net plus nine? Just looking at games I thought were going to be bad. For me, you guys are like, oh, it's all about playing the, the what games are going to be delayed. I'm like, dude, that that's the one thing that's fucking burned me. Although Nick, I think you you probably played a little safer. Uh, one of your games you thought was going to be so bad and it ended up looking so bad, it got fucking delayed. Yeah, bummer for me. If that, imagine if that had come out, my god, I would have beat you by even more points. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm still considering that like first round pick for a whammy league next year. Like 76 looks like awful. It looks really bad. It looks terrible. 76. No, no, no. no. I'll eat a shoe. It was 76. You will be a baked shoe motherfucker. Cause that game scored lower than an 85. God damn it. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm fine with a zero on that. Uh, Kerbal space program seemed really far off and I think it's like in early access. So it's got some early access scores, but open critic doesn't count those until it's out out. So I don't know, even know if that's hitting 2024. So fine with those two atomic heart seemed like one of those really ambitious indie games that can't possibly live up to it because they putting, they're putting so much effort into the look of it that there's no way that it can feel right. Um, and then bomb rush, the sort of the nostalgia bait. I don't know how often that really pays off for the indie game. That's like, Oh, this is just like game from the nineties. So it, it could have gone higher. It could have gone lower, but 78 feels like where I would have put it in the long, long term. So yeah, minus four and a minus eight on those two. Totally fine with that. I think I did pretty good for counter picks this year. You feel pretty comfortable with the overall number of counter picks. You felt like that was, an appropriate balance this year could have been could have been more. I'm fine with having more. I think I don't really uh, follow your your line of thought as far as uh, it being more of like oh it's more negative against me, so it it feels bad to lose points. But it's also everyone has those same slots, so if you do better than other people, you're still doing better. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not it's not really indicative of 
Because, yeah, we can all say, hey, we're trying to get 80s and above. And if everybody got 80s and above, then we would have minus 40 points at least on the, these counter picks. But that didn't happen. Hasn't happened. That's never been a going concern. Like, we are not that smart. <laughs> we are still big dummies. So we have the opportunity to provide people, our opponents, with zeros and uh, positive points in the case of EJ with, goddamn, 11 points from Redfall, which is, like, better than the average like your one of your counter picks is a better pick than some of our better games that we picked up. So it's like, <laughs> how messed up is that? I would offer that the relative uniformity amongst our total scores among the counter picks suggests that we don't need more of these. And that if anything, we could reduce a counter pick and have the same overall effect on the league. It definitely adds a very interesting wrinkle. And I feel like I spent more time worrying about my counter picks and the super drops across the board than I did what was actually being picked up or bid on. There were stretches where it'd be a month or more where all I was worried about was the counter picks. I think the super drop was, I know we were kind of on offense about that before the league started this year. And you get really confident as the numbers start piling up. And for brief moments, you forget that there is a super drop waiting. You can drop a counter pick. You can drop any poorly scored game. And at one point, you guys gave me shit for it. And it was kind of true that I was more stressed about my use of the counter pick than I was just about anything else. The counter picks are more interesting as a method to keep other people from dropping than it is like the points you get out of it or the points you lose from it. And we can talk about this later or we can talk about it now. We can talk about the, what we're thinking about for 2024. But the reason why I would want to consider uh, counter picks in conjunction with drops is if we increase the number of drops that we are allowed, then I would want there to be checks and balances in place, whether that is uh, through just relying on the financial aspect of it and how many dollars we're spending to get these games and how much like how much more does it hurt when you drop a game that you spend six bucks on versus a game that is like being bid on for a counter pick. You're like, well, oops, I, I don't know if it's going to come out. I'm not that confident in it. And now someone's calling me on that. So yeah, it might be interesting either way. I, I don't think we can really go wrong here. I think we fine tune this to a pretty healthy number of games, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of juice with some of the special slots, but not going overboard the way we did in the group chat league. You know, I, I think we're in a good place and uh, I don't know. I know Nick, you keep all these spreadsheets Kind of want to pay more attention this year to some other leagues and see how other people are doing things. I know some of the bigger podcasts do this every year, but they're not nearly as engaged as we are with it. Oh, no. It's always like a, it, it's always bad. It's like eight people and no one's, no one gives a shit after the draft. Right. And it's just something that one person reminds everyone else about. So I don't want to look to that as like a, <laughs> a measuring stick of our own success. Any other interesting tidbits you have in your spreadsheets, Nick? I know you've got graphs for days. Yeah, I was going to say earlier when Chris was talking about the banger to boner ratio, as he so eloquently put it, I had also similarly um, broken up the number of slots that we had had that were over a 90, between an 85 and a 90, between an 80 and an 85, et cetera, all the way down. And yeah, I I had the most 90 plus. I didn't have anything between uh, 75 and below. And uh, I had five between 85 and 90 and five between 80 and 85. So like eight or 13 in that top slot is uh, definitely helpful for me. That was, that was what brought me up. Definitely that getting Metroid Prime is like clearly the thing that 
floated me throughout the entire league. Without that, I would have been like in second place by a good amount, by a 10 points at least. You know, obviously we look at averages. I mean, you did, you did pretty well, but you had your number one pick didn't come out. Uh, and then two additional. Suck song. <laughs> hope. <laughs> yeah. Two additional games didn't come. Uh, so that Metroid Prime Remastered, you know, we talk about like you got an extra slot, but you really that just whittle you down to two two unreleased slots, right? So it all kind of comes out in the wash in that regard. But I mean, yeah, without that Metroid Prime Remastered getting shot at drop two and absurd ninety four, the league looks different. So there are these sort of butterfly effect sort of moments where you can look back and say this is where everything changed right here. Uh, I can talk a little bit about the way we spent our money the budgets so <laughs> brennan and you know something don't. about this <laughs> <laughs> a couple uh, standout things for me was chris didn't have any failed counter pickups and i believe all of his bids were like a pretty cheap i want to say were they all dollar i don't even remember oh yeah no i was absolutely not going to spend money on counter picks because to me that's yeah, like no one competed with those that's preserving a zero i'm trying to I'm not looking to like read the tea leaves. I'm not, I'm not Chris Stradamus over here. Like I'm not trying to find the games that are going to suck. I'm trying to find the games. That, fuck you, EJ with that face. Motherfucker. God damn you. I'm looking for not releasing and I'm not trying to spend money on that. I'm trying to spend money on games. That to me is the better allocation of my funds and looking at the way that the scores break down. I think that bears out that the, Counter pick totals are a wash and it was won and lost in the games. So I think that that is a perfectly valid uh, strat. Also, Brennan was never outbid on a pickup. The only reason he failed for any of his pickups were because he didn't have slots open. Wow. And really? then Chris and I were never outbid on a counter pickup. So just some fun little facts for you, EJ. EJ, you got outbid left and right, <laughs> but uh, the three of us did good. I, dude, I know I bitched about this on one of the quarterly updates. It was just, it escalated so dramatically every goddamn week. It was like the first week. I was like, all right, I'm going to sneak in with a one or two hour bid and just see what, what comes of it. And then I get outbid on everything. So the next week I'm like, all right, I'm going to do five and $7 bids. Well, then I get outbid again. So then the next week I'm like, all right, it's a fucking $9 bid or whatever it is. I remember those first couple weeks, it was just how much money do I have to spend? And it finally culminated in Xenoblade where I'm like, what did I bid? $14 on it? $17 on it? I was like, fuck it. I'm not losing this goddamn game. Yeah. And I think we matched bids on that, but. You just got in earlier. It was something like that. It was like very, very close. There was a couple occasions where that happened, which I should have uh, noted. It really comes down to slow and steady. It's points per dollar, sticking to your guns and saying, I believe this game is X, Y, or Z. I believe in this game or otherwise. And just playing the long game. Because at some point, like we saw with Nick, everyone else is going to fill their slots up and there are going to be more games to bet on. There just will be. Clip this for next year when we have the worst year in gaming. And uh, we all averaged 90 points for the year. Um, I also picked out notable games based on their score and when we, we got them. So our highest, po highest points for a draft, EJ's was Tears of the Kingdom. Chris's was Resident Evil 4 Remake. Uh, Brennan's was Spider-Man 2. Each of those being your first round picks. Uh, mine was Metroid Prime Remastered, which was like a third or it was like my fourth or fifth round pick. Like it was 14th in the draft total. But uh, how do you overcome the that? Second highest rated game of the of the the league. Our lowest scoring drafts. EJ, yours is Company of Heroes three. Chris's was System Shock. Uh, Brandon's was Atomic Heart, and mine was Hogwarts Legacy. Highest scoring pickup. EJ, obviously you know yours was Xenoblade Chronicles three. 
Uh, Chris's was Fuga, Melodies of Steel 2. I remember that getting memed to death, too. <laughs> Bait bid my ass. That was a good pickup. Crappy furry game. 84. 84. You should be so lucky. <laughs> Brennan's best pickup was a ongoing game of the year, Cyberpunk 2077, <laughs> Fan of Liberty. And mine was Mario Bros. Wonder. Could have been EJ's, but he took pity on, on Chris, apparently. Let him let him think that again. How do the points play out differently if during that whole bit of collusion, I just said, fuck off. I don't trust you and I'm not colluding. And I had gone in order of, of the games that I thought were going to score the best. And Mario was at the top of that. You told me in the interest of transparency, I have already submitted a $70 bid, $18 bid for Super Mario RPG. That is the first thing you told me. If you wanted wonder, you could have told me you wanted wonder, but you didn't. I said there was contingency Don't bits. Don't blame and me for your misgivings. You're like, listen, you'll take RPG. I'll take wonder. Brennan was like, I want cyberpunk. And we all, I dropped my bids to whatever they were. As did I. Did I increase my bid on wonder again? I was going to try and fuck. I remember talking to Brennan and being like, I don't trust Chris. I think he's going to try and fuck me. I think I'm going to raise my bid again. And like, how fucked it would it be if I totally snaked the game that I told him I would let him get? And then he's got nothing to show for this week of colluding. And so anyway, it ended up fucking me in the end. It was less about what you bid and the more the order in which you bid on them because you had Mario RPG as a higher priority. You still bid $19 on Wonder, but that doesn't matter because you didn't have $19, son. Oh, I did raise my fucking bid. That's so funny. It doesn't matter. Again, I thought I was doing you a favor. I thought I was doing you a favor. Very funny. I love how steadfast Nick was the entire time. He's like, there's no shot. That game is anywhere close to 94. And then the goalpost kept moving. He's like, 88? No. No. 82. <laughs> or whatever he said. Nick was fucking Ikari Gendo with his glasses sitting at the nerve table. Just reflective lens like, they'll figure it out eventually. Just cool as a fucking cucumber. Yeah, I knew better. I mean, it was a good game. We all agree it was a good game. Worth an 84. <laughs> 77! 77 on the Goodrick! Um, yeah, I've got what we spent the most money on. Uh, some of the open critic stats I thought were kind of interesting as far as a uh, number of reviews. Brennan, his uh, list of games had the, the most reviews total. So everyone else... I'm just looking at total reviews. I've got uh, 1,307, which is the fewest. Then EJ with 1,475, Chris with 1,573, and then Brendan with 1,789. He had some very highly reviewed games this year. <laughs> so that's a grand total of our league encompassing 6,144 reviews as of my last count. Do you have this information for the last two years? Is there a correlation between more reviews and a lower average score? I don't know if it's like a, a strong correlation. I think it's kind of happenstance that a few games with fewer scores uh, end up getting kind of like floated up to the top. But I mean, like Zelda got a couple hundred reviews. So I it, I don't know if there's yeah, like a strong true. relation to that. It's just like a lot of AAA games are pretty middling and we're not really jumping in on those as far as like the big uh, click seeking review games. I see. I have uh, our best points per dollar or as I call it value pickups. Okay. EJ, you got your humanity, which was your 15.38 points for a dollar. Chris got Bayonetta, which was a $5 pickup, but it gave him 11 points. Uh, Brennan got his Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood for a dollar as well, 15.68 being the best value 
best bang for the buck. That's pretty nice. And then I got Shadow Gambit for for a dollar, and that was a fifteen point. That's a fun game too. What I'm hearing is that, and I've said this already, but Brennan, I feel like there's a lot for you to take in the next year as far as some of your strategy goes, some of your the way you snaked in, kind of in between bidding wars with Chris and I. You don't get panicked in the early months. Let's see, Cult of the Lamb, obviously a bad pickup, but Armored Core, good. Cosmic Wheels, obviously great. Here's your takeaway. Don't draft expansions. That is your takeaway because you you picked up Destiny, you picked up Cult of the Lamb. Destiny was a lemon. Cult of the Lamb didn't release. Those are the two... No, it just didn't get reviews. That's true. It released, didn't get reviews. Those are the two biggest albatrosses. It, it albatrosses. just depends because, I mean, Shadows of the Air Tree is going to come out next year and that's going to be... Well, there's a big difference between Cult of the Lamb and From Absolutely. Like, you Absolutely. Know that. Same thing Absolutely. With, like, Dead Cells. Dead Cells expansions are obviously going to get reviews, but like being being sensible and not drafting a fucking bungee title because woof. Well, who's going to draft the Destiny DLC next year? Hang on me, me. Whammy League? Hey, I, I want to join the Whammy League next year. Oh, now he wants it on the Whammy League, baby. You're already in the Whammy League. <laughs> 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 you piece of shit. I want you to know that you more than doubled up Chris's score from like the last two years. So don't take this shit from. Uh, no, he did not. He doubled up my first year score in which none of us knew what the fuck we were doing. And I think the winning point total was like 187. Like, come on. Buck 80. Buck 80 is pretty good. He beat Big Balls Gilly for whose draft picks in 2021 included such titles as God of War Ragnarok and Final Fantasy 16. So I don't think. There's 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 much shit to be talked here. Obviously, 2021 Chris was. There's a reason why I named my Whammy League profile 2021 Chris. All right, man's picked Breath of the Wild two in 2021. Come on now, come on now. I sure did. Like you said, there's a reason the Whammy League is named uh, the way it is. It's launched a thousand memes, including the iconic artwork of me with my gigantic nutsack and a wheelbarrow gleefully <laughs> running across the screen. Uh, I see it. I see it right behind Nick's head. Chris's vascular sack amongst all the holiday decorations. Isn't that thing heavy, dude? Yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> Just nuts. I love that. Fresh to death, baby. Fresh till dev. Fresh till dev. I don't know if there's much to much to say about the year other than uh, better luck next time. <laughs> Omerito. <laughs> Brennan, do you have anything? Any thoughts? Anything in your brain about this year before? Yeah, this is no, it. I'm I'm glad that you know I was I was down bad early in the league, and I'm glad I didn't just give up and quit, and you know just kind of changed my strategy up a little bit and. Got more competitive towards the end there, and you know one or two different w- things go a different way. Then I'm in third place and not fourth. You're the 2020 Phoenix Suns. You're the Bubble Suns, right? You're a lottery team all year. You go into the bubble and you go eight and zero or whatever. Next year you're in the fucking NBA Finals, right? It's all about it's growth, baby. You're taking the right steps. You know you're playing the game, Chris. 2023. Mm-hmm. It's it. This is it's it's over. It's done. Patience. There's going to be late year games. E3 is dead. It is the midsummer. My whole, my whole thought this year was have a full roster by the time we get to the middle of the year, because that's when the last like big spate of announcements is coming. That is not the case anymore. E3 is literally dead. It is over. It is gone. 
there are going to be announcements through the rest of the year. Be patient, spend your money wisely. Think about what do I think this game is worth? Not do not. What do I think I need to spend to keep this game out of someone else's hands, which I think informed the early economy of this league, at least for me. And try to have a better banger to boner ratio. Nick, the end of an era, another championship. The belt is yours. I definitely like Chris was talking about everyone scrambling at the beginning really left a big opening for me to hold back and wait. Um, I think if everybody held back and waited, it would behoove one person to try and be aggressive and to try and push the limit on pickups early on. It really just depends on what everyone else is playing as far as strategies go. I think I could be totally wrong. That's just, that's just my gut feeling based on this league and uh, everyone's uh, feelings on it. It's kind of funny. I keep go- going with the NBA metaphors, but like, it's kind of funny. Every couple of years, you get some otherworldly shooters and it changes the way everybody plays. A couple of years ago, it was the Warriors and how they were playing the small lineups and suddenly everyone went away from the big guys and now the big guys are coming back. It just ebbs and flows. The strategy changes. This year, it was all about wait and see, wait and see, wait and see. Next year, it might be the total opposite because people are going to be waiting. People are going to be getting low bids in and we're going to have this chaos in the, at the end of the year. And then the year after that, it's going to swing back just because of the way that people anticipate the way everyone else is going to play, right? The strategy is going to have to shift in a reactive way. So next year is going to be probably exciting in whole new ways. And we're going to be sitting here looking back at 2023 next year being like, what the fuck did we know back then? You know, I just really like from this year that it was like the first year was a whiff as far as having uh, private bids. So people would, there was no sense of economy whatsoever in the first year. Second year was a little bit better, but there wasn't enough watching each other and this year's where i think there was a huge sea change where we were not just looking at the games that were coming out we were looking at each other and what what other people were going to be bidding and it became more of the mind games and the try and make people trying to make people flinch and i think we're going to carry that through next year but how does that change our strategies as far as what we've learned in this one well i had a lot of fun this year boys uh i love talking shit in the group chat absolutely losing our fucking minds. Chris and I in particular going after each other, Nick chiming in every once in a while, just being like, I don't think about any of you, you know, just Don Drapering our asses. Cause he fucking knows. No, I just like shitting on you guys in the whammy league. We gotta, we gotta briefly oh God, touch on that. The whammy league. Briefly touch oh. on that. It's somehow both of you almost getting like eighties on your final pickups, trying to outdo each other. Chris lucking out with cookie cutter, getting more reviews and dropping down to a 76, still pretty healthy. Healthy, but low enough that given my counter pick of a game that is not going to release, I am going to finish second in the Whammy League, barring additional points coming in that boosts Cookie Cutter's score, which makes me very happy that I could finish above E-Chain at least one of these fucking It's not leagues. over. It's we'll not recap over. the Whammy League when it's, it's over. Not over. It's not but over. Right, <laughs> but right now, I'm feeling good about logging into that league for the first time in fucking forever and going, holy shit, I'm in spitting distance. If I could get one more lemon or at least the delta between EJ's release and my release and the point differential between us and the fact that I've got minus five coming with this counter pick on an unreleased game. So you're sitting at 10. You're sitting at 10 points. That right? Uh, I well, minus five and then plus ten with the the non releases. Yeah, if we the, the the plus ten between the two of us, EJ is a wash. But counting the minus the minus five, I am I am sitting in second place right now. 
You're right. And you got the minus five because fucking Suicide Squad didn't come out. Um, it doesn't matter. We're both going to end up positive points, which is hilarious. We are. Uh, Nick is at negative 60 fucking five. He had every boner imaginable. I missed a few stinkers, man. I would have loved to have gotten Kong. I would have just been like <laughs> the cream of the crop. Or you had you had a day before or whatever that game's called. Like you had that, but you dropped it because you thought it wasn't going to come out. And it didn't really come out. It came out in early access and then it got a score and then they decided to <laughs> completely jump ship and do weird stuff. It's got a 12. It has a 12. It has a 12. On Open Critic. It has a, a one from IGN, a one from Gaming Bolt, and a 15 from Atarita. A 12! How many points would that have gotten me? Dude, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a minus 19 because... The it, algorithm slows it down. It becomes less and less... It's like the reverse of getting above a 90 as far as it gets half the points each time you get below another uh, rank of 10. That's which dumb. sucks because that means my Golem at a 36 only got me negative 17 points. EJ, you would have you would have been well, you wouldn't have been in the negative, but you would have been a lot closer to the negative uh, than you would have been otherwise if you'd have held on to that. I started off really strong. Blood Bowl with a minus ten, Scars above with a minus four, Saga of Sins minus five. Like Meet Your Maker was my first sort of like, oh man, that did better better than it should. I mean, this is better than half of Brennan and Chris pickups. What the fuck was this in the regular league? Um, got a what rock got me back on the board. That game looks hilarious. With a Bro, minus you eleven, Jacket Alliance fourth, and that got you eleven points right off the rip. Mind you, I picked up that uh, shitty Monster Hunter ripoff that scored like seventy nine or something, and I dropped that. What was that game? Wild I forget Hearts? what it was called. Yeah, Wild Hearts. Nick, you know how to pick them. I know a stinker when I see it. Crime Boss seventy seven, baby. That's my biggest regret is counterpicking that piece of shit. I was like, surely this is like a seventy two. Oh no! Oh no! Uh, 53, uh, which got me plus 13 points, which is hilarious. Which is still less points than EJ got from House Flipper. <laughs> Wait, House Flipper 84 is actually insane. What did the first House Flipper get? Like 63, 64. It was a good pickup, but they clearly 84? made some, They made some big improvements from number one to number two, I guess. <laughs> Brennan and I might actually play House Flipper at this point. This is absurd. It's more than just a simulator. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Who, come on. That, that, that's just one of the... Hey, man. How many hours is it? I'm down. Let's do it. Easy money. Whammy League was a lot of fun. I want to do it again. I want to bring Brennan in. I, we should call Drew up, see if Drew wants to get on the Whammy action. Probably be a lot more fun than uh, a completely disengaged uh, group chat where we're all picking special slots. Yeah, that's uh, not... Let's get on the Whammy. That's not happening again for in any capacity. I think Leaf didn't fill like seven of his slots. Just decided like, I'm over it. I don't care. It was always a going concern that that could have happened. That was my, a little bit of my apprehension that begin with. But yeah, doing a, uh, a main league and then a gimmick league is a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm down for either the whammy or what I brought up to EJ earlier is a all counter pick league. You have 10 slots and 10 counter picks. That's that's interesting. That's the worst thing I've Try ever. Try to heard. break even. That is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Absolutely fucking not. Wait. So I'm trying to wrap my head around that. So we're trying to get as close to zero as possible. No, I mean you're just trying to you're trying to get the most points still, but only half the players will break even based on just how that how that breaks out. Or you know, one person will break even a lot, and everyone else is like in the dumps. But it averages out to zero. No, I hate that. I hate it a lot. I don't want to do that. <laughs> 
Let's look at next year. Nick and I spent some time chatting about some potential rule changes, minor things. Nick, I took notes. Five draft picks, 11 pickups for a total of 16 games per team, which I think is 80 games total, which is only four more than this year. Uh, So the arithmetic stays the same roughly despite adding an additional player uh, to the draft pool. You said five draft picks and 11 pickups? Versus uh, nine drafts, 10 pickups. My reasoning for shooting for a lower draft, and EJ also agreed with this, is that we were kind of grasping at straws by the end of our draft. And it's a lot more fun when we're scuffling about trying to determine what is worth it to us. So there's more fun in the pickups. So having fewer drafts and more pickups seems like the, the funner way to do the, the league. If we did six and eight... That's still 10 less total draft picks because I think we drafted 10 this year by four we drafted people. nine. We drafted nine. So that'd still be six. Yeah, so less. 36. That'd still be six less if we did. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be 25 if we did five and five. So it's 11 less games drafted, but then that also means more games picked up, a lot more games picked up, honestly, because we're talking about a 80 game league versus a 76 game league. That helps keep the engagement high um, and it helps keep the draft itself short. You know, we're not doing a three-hour draft where we're taking... I mean, obviously, I edited it all down, but we're taking seven, eight, nine minutes between picks waffling, not knowing what the fuck to do. Um, keep it concise. Five draft picks. Let's just just go for the bangers. And if there's anything left out, then we're we're doing a bidding war right away. So that's that's another fun way to go about it. How yeah. about six? I like six. I like I'm in favor of reducing it, especially with five people, because it is really long. And the thought of doing 50 games or... or, or Forty-five. Yeah, forty-five games next year is appalling. So I absolutely think we should reduce it. But five feels really low. That feels like a pendulum swing too far in the other direction to me. I, I mean, I would, I would be fine with six and ten. I mean, yeah, I'm good with me, that. I'm good with yeah, that. Five and eleven, six and ten. It's you know, ten pickups is still what we did this year, which was obviously quite engaging. With yeah. an extra person. It's an extra couple games. So um, I don't know, Brennan. How do you feel about this? Yeah, I mean. If it's engaging, if it's fun, then I don't have any qualms. Fewer draft picks also means a little bit less uh, research and a little bit less like sitting around looking at things, waiting for one person to right. make their next move. Support. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just in favor of uh, a smaller draft pool. Keeping four counterpick slots, one drafted, three pickups, not changing uh, from last year. So that would up the counterpick pool from 16 to 20 total. Yeah, I don't love that. It'll also be a larger percentage of your uh, overall team makeup. So instead of four versus the 19 that you have on your team, you four versus the 16 you have on your team or whatever we end up being landing on. 16 was just the, the closest to 76 without uh, getting too ridiculous. And I remember, Chris, last year or earlier this year, you were very apprehensive about having a larger uh, pool of games to work with. But I think that kind of worked out in the end where we were a lot more engaged and we were picking up on things and going for more flyers that we honestly could have gone with a full 20. It wouldn't have been a big stretch. We could have gone a lot higher this year, especially looking at what. Yeah, I mean, and I don't have like the historical data as far as what like what number of games got above an 80 or whatever on uh, Open Critic in 2022 or 2021. But 2024, if we're just all in it like it's just everyone against everyone it's if you can find games and you're not feeling too bad about like scrounging for for game i don't think we're to be scrounging like obviously 
uh, you were filled up by by August. So to my detriment, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I completely support a reduction in the overall number of slots by adding somebody, but also looking at what that would mean for an overall total number because I just think we're not going to have we're not getting this year again. It's going to be a while until we get something like this year again. Like maybe it won't be as good. I mean, no, there's there's only release dates like through April. Like there's There's nothing right now. It's it's pretty. Yeah. And scary. But console launch year is always pretty exciting. No. Well, okay. But how many of those, but how many of those (laughs) games are good? How many of those games are good, Nick, at a console launch? Not fucking that's, many. That's what's fun. Not fucking many that's of them. That's what's fun. <laughs> Mario. We got one three switch. We get Mar- we No, get, uh, fuck, fuck you. Man three. Fuck you, one three switch. <laughs> ten, six and ten feels really good. I would support going from four to three total counterpicks with the addition of an additional person. I don't love having a four to one ratio of pick to counterpick. That feels high to me. I think that, like I said earlier, what we learned is that we have a good, a, a, uh, it is very average in terms of how collectively we use those slots and how it impacts the point totals. So I don't know why adding a four slot is going to do anything other than take more points off the board, which I think is bad theater. I would rather have more points on the board personally. Uh, and with five of us, 15 total counter picks. I mean, that's like 16 times five, 50, 60, 70, 80, 15 is like, God, like just south of 25%, like around 20% of the total picks. That's a lot of games counterpicked. I don't know. I don't know. I I support three. I was also in favor of three when we were sort of bandying about some of these potential changes. But I I don't, at the end of the day, it's it's like not going to probably meaningfully move the needle. We have some more controversial stuff to get to here. So let's put a pin on that. You know, we can decide whether it's five and 11 or six and 10, three versus four counterpicks. Nick, floated the idea of increasing the number of drops and we had played with a few ideas you know i kind of like the idea of like paying the drop a game you get unlimited drops you know i think what we settled on nick was just doubling the number of drops from three to six and letting the economy sort of dictate uh and sort of regulate how things play out as it goes you are paying to drop based on what you paid to pick it up so i mean if you're dropping a one dollar game then that was an uncontested game so was it really worth the one drop that it cost you like is it costing you a drop or is it costing you a slot is it costing you the dollars there's a lot of different costs involved and that's why i was more in favor of having increased counter picks is to sort of act act as another check and balance to the increased number of drops because i do think um letting us drop more games lets us be more risky with will not releases it makes people more aggressive with counter picks and like trying to scare people off games so i just like that sort of uh aggression counterplay well that's just it though is that if we increase the number of counterpicks and we've got 20 counterpicks for it's yeah if we've got 20 counterpicks across a total number of what did we was 80 games like if we've got a quarter of the games counterpicked we're just not going to have that much room to be able to drop stuff so that doesn't feel like that doesn't feel like the check and balance to me that that you bill it as i don't know like i because because something's gonna give in one way or the other like a lot of the stuff that is risky and feels more droppable is not gonna be dropped because it's gonna be counterpicked is there an option to drop counterpicks that haven't released yet and treat those like regular bids and then obviously counterpicks block regular game drops but if someone drops a counterpick that should unlock the game that it was picked on 
Um, I don't know if that's an option. I don't think so. Counterpicks are a special case in the way they're added to um, a person's league. Because that's what happened this year is at the middle, towards the middle end of the year, there was nothing that I could drop, that Bren could drop, that EJ could drop because they were all fucking counterpicked. And part of that had to do with the fact that yeah. we had filled up our roster so quickly. But even so, like that check and balance was not present. Like counterpicks ran this league this year in the latter half of the year. So I, I fear that becoming an even more prevalent part of things, which to me, it's the least interesting part of the league because I'm a point scorer. I want to see points on the board. I would rather that we have a greater ability to get points on the board and get games in those slots and see them release and bid against each other and jockey for position. Then we're all tied up in counter picks and we have to sit on our hands for the last three months of the year because 20 games in the league are counter picked. I would also fully support removing the super drop, which I think would go a little way towards mitigating some of those things that maybe you're concerned about. Um, Nick, I came around to your point of view that just getting a mulligan as much as I appreciated it, having drafted Redfall, uh, not being able to remove it from EJ's ledger made it feel like a Pyrrhic victory. Like, oh, great. I can get some more points, but EJ's going to have that plus 11 forever. So I didn't I didn't see the utility in those as much. Maybe that's a way that we can mitigate some of that. But yeah, four counter picks. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that more drops will be useful if that mu- that many of the games are going to be tied up with CPs. Then it's kind of a moot point whether it's six or however many drops. Well, you know, I'm fine with increasing the drops. Again, we can come back to the counter picks. Super drops. I think we're in agreement. Get rid of the super drops. You know, we're going to live with our mistakes this year. Hard mode. Let it uh, let it all bear out. You know, I don't I don't like that uh, Nick's average at the end of the year gets a little fluffed up because you got to drop that block negative score. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, super drops gone. Here's something controversial that Chris, I have a feeling you're going to reject outright. We had a good conversation about it. I initially came to Nick. What did I say? I said we need to unban any and all remake remaster tags because it was so nebulous. And it caused some frustration and confusion this year. So we just need to unban all that. And you countered by saying, well, it'd be better to just ban more of them to, than to unban more of them. And I kind of came around on the idea that, yes, all remaster remake tags banned. Boom, gone. Except for one special slot for a remake, remaster, reimagining, et cetera, et cetera. Talk to me about your thinking therein, because I think that was a slot this year that was really fruitful for a lot of people in being able to draft those. sure so was talk to me about your your thinking there so i could see your point of view obviously the tags uh you know ports games that currently have scores already like should be banned but looking at remakes you know my argument last year was that remakes can be a trap a lot of the remakes in previous drafts or, or previous years were kind of boners this year obviously being an exception being the year of the remake there were so many great games but there were a couple of Stinkers too. Nick. System shock. The banger to boner ratio for remakes and remasters is three to one with uh, Dead Space, Resident Evil, Metroid Prime versus System Shock. And then the middle is filled out with a lot of 80s to 85. So it's just a it's just a too safe of a bet. Like if you only went with that kind of category, then you could you you would still coming out be coming out pretty good without having to put too much thought into it. It's like easy to say Resident Evil 4 remake is gonna score well. It's easy to say Dead Space remake is going to score well. It's really easy to say Metroid Prime remake is going to score well. And so that sort of takes, to me, some of that spear of the competition away. Um, and so if we're not going to just 
remove the confusion entirely and have sort of an easy mode aspect to the year. Just ban it. We're only doing new titles. Okay, well, what was the overall percentage of remake remaster scores and total remake remasters versus the total number of other releases per year? Because I think if you're going to say that it had an outsized effect on the league, that you're going to need to show me data that says that it had an outsized impact on the overall scoring in the league. And I don't think that that's going to bear out. No, I don't support this at all. And I think it's... I think it's easy to say, let's just make it hard mode and let's just say, oh, those are easy picks, except they're not. And I know that it's a three to one. But again, 2023 is not going to happen again. It's not going to happen again. We're going to get a Metroid Prime 2 remaster that is going to be less loving, have less effort put into it, and is going to be an overall inferior product that's going to score an 82 or an 83. And we're going to reframe our entire conversation about this going into 2024. I Metal Gear Solid 3 Delta, that game's going to be like an 83. I'm sorry. And Bran, I think that you know this yeah. in the way that you were talking about it on last week's episode, that this is going to be a fairly soulless, by the numbers, brush it up and push it out kind of remake because Kojima's and not it's there. still going to get an 83 and that's still going to be one of the better scoring games of next year because if it comes out next year, I'm just saying because next year is not going to be a banner year like 2023 was. So we already had tw- 10 games that were remasters or remakes in this this year's league. And we're averaging at 83.8. 10 out of 80? And that is a great score. 10 out of 80. 10 out of 76. Yeah, and I think that's too many. I think four is enough. I don't agree. Five next year. I don't agree at all. I don't support this We half it. We half it? Halfing it. It's just halving it. Yeah, 10 to 5. You're advocating for one specific slot and that's it. Correct. Right. I mean, I got confused throughout the year, like, because I think I dropped Counter-Strike when I had it and I didn't have to. We thought it was because the orange, we got confused on the orange tags one it was, was weird. Been, yeah, it, it just it got confusing. Counter Strike was also especially weird because it's Counter Strike Two, but they it got classified as a partial remake, which is completely arbitrary and decided by like a couple guys right. hey, <laughs> on the site. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I I think I think it would make yeah. much more sense to have the dedicated slot for for the remake of our choosing than having it and then cho- getting original games or sequels. I think this also adds a new interesting wrinkle to the draft. We're now instead of sort of the first five, at least maybe 10 picks going chalk. Now you've got like somebody's going to want Final Fantasy. That's considered a partial whatever this or that. So no, now it's not. maybe that goes a few. It is. It, it literally is. That's preposterous that you're going to tell I don't me disagree. a ground up complete reimagining of a game is going to be banned because we want to make the league harder for everybody. Like that's literally dumb to me. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Like I don't I don't I don't get this line of logic that we just want to arbitrarily make a choice that's going to make the league harder because we don't understand and because we have rightfully had a lot of esoteric and principled arguments about what is a remake, what is a port, what is a remaster, what is a ground up reimagining because these things are so hard to define. Let's have the talk about what makes an RPG an RPG. We've been skirting that conversation for weeks. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does when there are dedicated slots to it. I want the best games possible on our list at the end of the year. And last year, it happened to be a disproportionately high number of remakes and remasters. I don't care. That's the way the cards fall. Well, if you want the best games, then we have to also allow ports and director's cuts and released internationally yearly installments. And There's all these games that already have scores. And we know that, okay, so next year we want to have Last of Us Part 2 remastered or whatever it's called. Like, no, that's, that's, that is asinine to me. 
I, um, I would rather us put our time and energy looking into games that are actually new. And I know Final Fantasy VII is actually new, but falls into the the category of reimagining. You know, and that's also why having a flex spot that incorporates every single remake tag. Uh, and again, it adds that wrinkle to the draft where a game that might not get picked until 10th pick might be going two or three because, again, just looking at the potential releases for the year, it sort of changes the arithmetic for some of us. Yeah, I'm all about trying to look forward, uh, not necessarily looking backwards. And while I don't disagree with you, Chris, that Final Fantasy Rebirth, it's not a remake, it is a reimagining. And obviously, the 27 years since Final Fantasy VII, like games are quite different now. You know, that's why the flex spot is there. This is also why I said you would reject this outright. But yeah, I just want to look forward to things. I don't want to look back and say, well, what did Dead Space do? Okay, now let's do the math on if it's a competent remake. Yeah, it's going to do seven points less. It's like, I don't want to do that. Just look forward at new games. I'm like less hardline about the reimagining being banned. It's just so arbitrary where the gradient falls. Like, it's just a guy deciding what shade of gray something is. Like, I don't want to have to have this conversation where I'm like, as the league manager, you're coming to me saying, hey, I want to pick up this game. They have it classified as a remaster, but I think it's actually a remake. It's got all this, this, and this. Like, I don't want to have that conversation because it's dull. And it's like, it's like, it's not really interesting. So I wanted to sort of get rid of it outright. I've been wanting to get rid of it outright because I even forgot that we had this conversation two years ago, but then I had it again last year. <laughs> and I don't know. I want to get everyone's input on it. So Chris, thank you for sharing what you believe because that is like really impactful and I want to like know what you're thinking. Um, and I want to yeah, hear from Brandon as well. Like if he has any insight into what he thinks would be interesting as a someone who's only really listened to us talk about it and hasn't had a chance to participate, uh, if he would rather um, have dedicated slots or if we want to have like where do we want the bands to lie because like as it stands having port and director's cut and like yearly installment those things banned like that makes perfect sense to me i agree um they're not really it, like they're not going to be an outsized portion of the league but it's just okay so someone gets football manager and that's like an easy 90 points or a 90 score like that that doesn't add anything so just ban it like it's not it would be hurtful to unban it, but why even have it in the first yeah, place? It's not good theater. It it doesn't really play into the spirit of the competition. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's just like, okay, that's the thing we can do. Uh, we have five minutes. Last thing, the biggest thing, trades. Yeah, trades, they were not really super well implemented the first time, EJ, you, you brought up uh, adding them, but it seems like they've been kind of hashed out a little bit more. So it seems like... The trade process works as one player in your league proposes a trade with another player. Then that player can choose to accept or decline. And then if the trade is accepted, other players in the league get a chance to voice their their opinion with a vote. It's not like a democratic vote. It's not a vote that says this trade goes through, this trade doesn't go through. It just lets the league manager know this is what the league thinks of this trade. And then the manager gets the final say and chooses to accept or decline the trade. Uh, the way this league would likely do it is that pretty much no matter what, if two consenting individuals want to trade uh, whatever games or money, because those are things you can trade, I would let it through. It would basically just me be keep, keeping an eye on some weird con- like collusion, which I don't think is going to happen, but it could. So that's just like where the, the buck ends, I guess. Have you met EJ? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Bren, do you have Bren? Do you have the cojones to resist EJ's clear manipulation of you as his arbiter in this league? Because I have some major concerns about that after the communication that he had with you this year, sir. 
And exactly. I would be against any trades of Spider-Man for like, ter- like, I don't know what bad, like after image after it already got a score, you know, like that would be obviously EJ like buying Brendan Blazer tickets. Or no, something. no, 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 no. I am the king of Rohan and I can see clearly now. <laughs> okay. yes. That is what I like to fucking hear. Brendan. Get out of here. Worm tongue. Yeah, Get worm tongue out of your ear. I'm down for trades. I'm down. I'm down for player freedom. I think that's fun. I think that was one of the best parts of my fantasy. One of my fantasy football leagues this season, my main league. Uh, we had a really active trade economy that had huge implications on the overall like scope of the league. Uh, and I a wholeheartedly uh, believe in Nick's ability to go. 99% of these are completely fair trades. And on the odd chance we get a 1% that's like, this feels really odd that he would bring it to the group and say, y'all let's talk about this. Well, sure. And then we can hash it out in the, in the group chat or whatever. But I love the idea that like I'm fighting for first again and Brandon is fighting for third or whatever. And he has two slots to fill and I have one slot to fill. Well, hey, you're out of money, Brandon. I'm going to send you $17 for Spider-Man 2, knowing it's going to be a 90. Fill my last slot. Now you have $17 to fill your last two slots. It's a win-win knowing that you're not going to catch me for first. But now, you know what I mean? So. It, it gives us options. Three slots for him to fill if you're taking Spider-Man from him. And also, that's exactly the kind of example that I don't want to have happen. No, that's all fair. That that's, is a trade I would I would I would not allow. Why? Yeah, if you you working your friends <laughs> who have no shot of winning the league to try to get more points. That's in a your perfectly column. fair trade. It's beneficial to both of us. We're both trying to improve our standings. I'm paying him so he has money to work with and I get a good game out of it. Let me read for you the, their definition of uh, some examples of what a bad trade is. Um, a player is already losing and has agreed to a bad trade to help the other player beat a third player not involved in the trade. Wow, that sounds pretty familiar to what you were just talking about. Um, a bad player, a player is taking a bad trade this year with the understanding that they will be quote unquote paid back next year. That's bad. That's bad. Or, Obviously, you suspect that there is some other shady deal going on, such as real money being exchanged behind the scenes. Yep. So, Obviously, yeah, that's bad. I would never accuse you of that. I would never accuse you of that. But what you just described is the exact situation I would not want to fucking have happen to me. That's just and part that's of the where game. I would take into account the democracy. I think I would I would lean on the votes. And like what people think in general. Yeah, I think I think majority. Um, not that it has to be like a it has to be, you know, by committee. I think things can go through that maybe doesn't benefit the other three members of the of the the, the league. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, we're going to be talking about trades a lot. I think if we if we allow trades, we're going to be talking about them. I would also want a trade deadline. We get to decide. I think. I think we get we get to make that. This is common in in fantasy sports that there is a deadline after which no further trades can happen. I think that that would prevent a lot of the potential situations of folks gunning for first and second, maybe first through third, trading from people who are pretty locked into the fourth and fifth range uh, in an effort to try to boost themselves in a way that's clearly not going to be of benefit towards somebody lower down in the league of potentially winning the league. Cause like, I'm not trying to play for fourth. And if you're coming to me with a trade, that's like, Hey, you could beat Brandon and get fourth place. And I can maybe get first place. I'm not going to fucking take that trade. Like sure, it's maybe crazy. Not. Maybe not. But, but again, in the scenario that I presented for a player with $0, but slots to work with $17 is more valuable to him with his three slots than the one game. Is that's going to score a 90. You know what I mean? So it just, because it's a bad trade, as far as the, 
the point value in the trade, that doesn't actually make it a bad trade. So obviously we're going to have a discussion with this ongoing as things happen. Yeah, we'll talk more about this uh, another time. <laughs> Maybe next week when we actually draft, right? Right? Uh, draft weeks. next week. We'll have to figure all that out. We can figure it out uh, off air here. That was the Council Crusade 2023. Nick, you are the reigning champion yet again. I have to look at this stupid little fucking crown by your name for another year! Woo-hoo! I earned it. <laughs> Thanks, guys.